Four short, very short little readings, and the first one's found in Genesis chapter 1, please. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the kettle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, chapter 2, just to combine with that, in verse 6, this is how he actually created man and woman. Well, man anyhow. Verse 6, But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, our second reading is over in the New Testament in John's Gospel. We could nearly, most of us would be able to recite this uh, verse, John chapter 3, please. And verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have, actually have, present possession, everlasting life. And who has everlasting life? the individual that believes and rests and depends upon the Lord Jesus, the Son of God. Now over to chapter 8 of John's Gospel. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall set you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now, the last reading is in chapter 10 of John's Gospel. John chapter 10. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now I noticed verse 26, But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I say, uh, said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, 
and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, we trust that it may please the Lord to bless these readings from his precious word this evening. I don't need to say, because I've said it before, I don't like shopping. And I'm certainly glad that the uh, frenzied time before the, the Christmas holidays is over, presents past and all that sort of thing. But what amazed me was this, beloved. I was given a figure of 27 billion pounds was paid on, out on gifts over the Christmas holidays. 27 billion pounds. That's not counting the money they spent on feasting and doing whatever they do over that period. 27 billion pounds. And uh, I had an occasion to go downtown and one particular shop, I noticed right across the window it was Gifts galore. You couldn't have missed it. Gifts galore. So in I went, just to have a look round to see. And I came out and I thought to myself, most of them won't last any more than four weeks. And they'll be consigned to the dustbin. There were just flimsy little bits and pieces. And I thought, imagine people spending money and things like that. Gifts that will soon be broken and disappear. And as I did so, I thought, isn't it good that the Christian can take great comfort on the fact that God has given his gifts and they don't break and they don't disappear and indeed they're eternal and that's what I want to speak on this evening for our time together in this gospel meeting. Gifts that will never pass away. The first gift I want to look at is in Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 2 actually connected with chapter 1. God formed out of the dust of the ground Adam. And God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Gift number one, the gift of life. Now that's a big thing. And need I say tonight with a Bible in front of me that I believe in a creator God. And I believe that that creator God designed man in his own image. And we want to look at him imparting a gift, life, to dust, because that's the word, not even clay. Imagine forming things out of dust and breathing into the nostrils of that which is formed, life and man became a living soul. And before I get to it tonight, 
Can I say in in case I miss it? That's why the Bible is right. Dust thou art, and to dust thou return. That was the material that God made the body out of. Nothing to glory in in your body. It is only dust that has got God forming it and giving it what it is, life. Then gift number two I want to consider is in John's Gospel, chapter 3. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. I want to think tonight with you at the great gift of love. God didn't need to do that. But we love that little verse in John's Gospel, chapter 3. There's going to be scores of people in glory that got saved through that simple, clear verse that's called the gospel in a nutshell, but it encloses in a few words, 25 words, the great plan of God's salvation, but it could never have taken place unless God loved the world of sinners lost and ruined by the fall, but he did. Now, it's one thing somebody's saying they love and never show that love, never express that love. Now, God didn't do that. When God loved, he also expressed that love by the giving of his son. That's why I gave out the hymn tonight, Would You Know Why I Love Jesus? The greatest gift that God could impart to men and women for eternity was his own son. And the Lord Jesus gave everything when he went to the cross and died. And that's why we preach Christ and him crucified. For the Lord Jesus is the center of the gospel message. And he came because God so loved the world. So I want to think of the gift of life, want to consider the gift of love. Then I want to think thirdly, and you mightn't have given much thought to this, but I was thinking about it. It's called the gift of liberty. For whosoever the Son setteth free shall be free indeed. We hear an awful lot about liberty today liberated women. Now I heard there's a movement for liberated men. I don't know what else they're going to liberate at the end of the day. I want you to see tonight the only people that are liberated are those that the sun sets free. And that's through God's great salvation. And the child of God, liberated from the fear of eternity itself, liberated from meeting a holy God in my sins, for I'll meet him if I'm not saved. And we can tonight rejoice if we're saved in great liberty. So I want to think about life, want to consider love, and want to think about liberty. But then fourthly, I want to emphasize this. This uh, this, uh, great gift is lasting, 
It'll never, never, never pass away. And that's really where I want to get to tonight. Those other gifts will soon be gone. Now, we've been married about 52, well, 52 and a half years. And you know, all the wedding presents, I think we've only about two or three left. It's a miracle we have those even. But they're all passing. But here's a gift that will last, not for the ages of time alone, but for God's eternity. And you could have in the meeting tonight the gift of God, which is eternal life, and you could go out possessing something that will never alter and never change, and it'll be for God's eternity. That's worth having. And it's without money, and it's without price. And that's good, isn't it? It's offered by God to sinners, and those that take it can rejoice in it. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish. Oh, praise God tonight. The child of God can rejoice in this, that I've got something that will never alter or change. Now, firstly, life. I know this is cutting across what people will be told in school, but I'm convinced of this. The last 50, 60 years in the north of Ireland, we've been teaching evolution to children. I was taught it. That's why I'm so emphatic about it. And they would teach that life itself proceeds through an evolutionary process by random process to what we are today. I had quite a session over in London a year ago when a guy came in and he was just full of evolution. He wanted to argue and so on. So I said to him on that occasion, before we start looking up what you believe, sir, you tell me, can man produce life today? Nanny, can he actually produce life? I'm not saying producing life from life, but actually creating life, pure life. And he looked at me, well, he says there's various experiments, but I said, can you see what I'm saying? Where did it all come from? Even the universe around us, he had no answer, by the way. Even the universe around us, it had a beginning. They'll acknowledge that. And they'll say it was a tremendous explosion. And from absolute chaos, we get order and discipline. Whereas the law of thermodynamics says we go from order to chaos, not from chaos to order. And so behind it all, there is a God, a designer God. We see the evidence of that everywhere we look. Now, this is how God created man to start with. He formed man out of the dust of the ground. I hope you're following me. Can you see the image appearing 
out of the perfect creator. He's going to create man in his own image. And the first thing he does is create a body, but it's only dust, but formed perfectly by a creator God. And there it is, formed in every detail. And then God came and breathed into that form the breath of life. And man became something that he wasn't before. And man became something that the animal isn't. A living soul. So you ask me tonight, can I explain to you the Trinity in heaven? Uh, Someone says, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect unity in one. And in a limited way, Because we have been created in the image of God himself, we are a trinity. You are a trinity tonight as you sit in the meeting. You have a body that God created out of dust. It is only the body, I put it like this, it's the house that I live in. It has been very good to me, my particular house, My father died at 59. My grandfather died at 47. And my house has existed now for 77 years past July. It's doing all right at the moment. Who knows? But it's only the house I live in. And the real me and the real you live in your house and I live in my house That's my soul, my personality. But I've also got something that the beast hasn't got, and that's a spirit, a spirit coming from the spirit, the eternal spirit, for God is a spirit. That spirit makes me God-conscious. My soul is my self-consciousness. My body is my world-conscious condition, And it all came from a designer God. And it's amazing that such a perfect replica of God came forth from God. Says someone, well, if that's the case, I see chaos all around me. Don't blame that on God. The reason for your sickness, your tsunamis, your volcanoes, and the disasters right round the world tonight is don't blame God. It all came about as the result of this perfect man that God created, disobeying God and doing what God told him not to do. And the Bible says very, very clearly, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death has passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And that beautiful creation of man that God created is now has the stamp of depravity upon it because man has sunk down in ruin, sin, and misery. 
There's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. And I challenge an audience, you can tell me, on the way out tonight, where there is one person in the whole of society that you know of that has never sinned. Of course, they've all sinned. The very thought of foolishness of God is makes him a sinner in the sight of God. We have all gone astray, and we're everyone marked by the sin of disobedience. We didn't need to tell any of our children to disobey us, but we had to watch them because they did, and we had to control it. And man is marked by disobedience, and man is marked by S, I, N, sin. So can I get near to everyone in the meeting tonight? Your sin is your big problem, not your job, not the exams, not even enjoying yourself where in the world. Those sort of things are secondary when it comes to your sin in the meeting tonight. Oh, you might say, Mr. Speaker, what about your sin? A wee boy of 15 and a half years of age, I appreciated the Lord Jesus died at Calvary. You know what I can say about my sin tonight? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to his cross, and I bear them no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. And there is salvation for individuals through the death of the Lord Jesus. And so death was introduced. And so one of these days, if the Lord be not come, I will die. One of these days, if the Lord be not come, you will die. And at that moment, what will happen? We will, this body will return to dust. But you've got a living soul that can never die. A living soul that the crematorium won't burn. A living soul that the grave digger will never bury. And that living soul is going to exist forever. And do I need to say in a simple gospel meeting, there's only two places. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. And you will exist for eternity. And says so someone, then what will happen? Well, the wonderful thing is this, that this little period of time for God's commenced it at Genesis chapter 1 when he created the heavens and the earth. It'll close in Revelation chapter 20 when the heavens and earth pass away. It's only a short period of time. People speak about all these long periods of time. I can see it's only short. God's in control of it. And when resurrection takes place for the Christian at the coming of the Lord, and for the unsaved one, Revelation 20, when even the sea will give up the dead which are in it. And you see the particles of the body that has returned to dust with those that have died. God is going to bring it all together. 
and you'll have a body again and a body that's going to exist for God's great eternity. God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. So says someone, if sin is so bad, what is the remedy? Well, the remedy is that, and I'm amazed at this, that God actually loved a world so debased as the world is. It's getting worse by the day. And God sent his lovely son down from the glory. We were enjoying it this morning. By way of the Virgin Mary, had to be born of a virgin. He had to be pure and holy. We are born by natural generation. He was born by incarnation. And he came into the world sinless, pure. He lived to prove the reality of that. And one day they took him, the blessed son of the eternal God, the one who couldn't die because he took a human body, now was willing to die. And they took him outside Jerusalem, city walls, and they nailed him to a Roman cross, and lifted up was he to die. That is divine love. That's the greatest expression of love. I very often say we had four children, wouldn't give one of them to anybody. God had one son. He was willing to give him to the cross. Have you ever took it in that God so loved the world? A brother was telling me, Coming in tonight, 41 years ago, we were having meetings in Donegal Road when he was at those meetings. But there was a little man that asked us to go to Donegal Road. He was Sandy McMurray. Lovely brother. Nice brother. And he used to tell us in his own way how he got saved. And here it is. Reading John 3 and 16, he read, God so loved and he paused. The world? Well, I'm part of the world. And I says, I'll put my name in there. Sandy McMurray. God so loved Sandy McMurray that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Oh, he said, wait a minute. I can put my name in there. Sandy McMurray. And if Sandy McMurray believes in him, he should not perish, but have everlasting life. So someone, is it not more complicated than that? Do you not feel it? Do you know, I sometimes say, I don't feel saved tonight, but I know I am saved. That's better than feeling saved because I could feel saved tonight and not feel saved in the morning. And how does a person know they're saved? Well, when a person appreciates this, God so loved the world that he gave his son to die at the cross, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself and by the work, by the way, the work's finished. It's done. It can't be altered. God is satisfied. 
answer someone, how do you know? Well, the third day God raised him from the dead. Tomb's empty. And if God is satisfied and the work's done, and I believe on that and put my trust in that, not head knowledge, please, a whole dependence on it, the Son. And I open my Bible to the little verse I was saved through 62 odd years ago, John 3 and 36. He that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. And you know, it's still there. So, the work of my Savior makes me safe. He died to put away my sin. But the Word of God makes me absolutely sure. Can God lie? Impossible. What a wonderful salvation thus there is as the result of Calvary's cross. Oh, when I think that God, his son not sparing, <laughs> sent him to die, I scarce can take it in, that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. The Lord Jesus is a historical fact, by the way. It's not a figment of somebody's imagination. He did come. He did live. He did die. He did rise from the dead. 500 saw him at once. And oh, the wonder that this is the Savior we preach tonight. And when we preach Christ, we are preaching the love of God in its fullest extent. That God so loved the world that they gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Good to be saved. Everybody saved tonight? Not time you were thinking about it? Says so someone, okay then, so I'm a sinner? I can prove that. I know it. Don't even need to prove it. And the Lord Jesus died as the Savior. He died on the cross. He died to put away sin. Yes. So if I trust him, what happens? Whosoever the Son set it free shall be free indeed. Mr. Knox used to tell us he was a free man. He could do whatever he liked. And he just liked going up the road and giving out tracts, and he just liked telling others about the Savior, he was free. And maybe you say, you see that sort of lifestyle, you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, I, I don't know. I've had 62 years and I wouldn't change it for anything. I've seen and I've sat now at the bedside of people that enjoyed the so-called world. It's not easy. A dear man that I gave a job to when we were still in employment, grandparents were saved godly people. Paul wasn't. And we gave him a job to try and keep him from the drink. 
We'd done our best and preached at him. My last time to see Paul alive was in the Ulster Hospital. He was yellow from head to toe with jaundice, liver burnt out of him as a result of drink. And we tried to pour the gospel into him. And what he said to me was, Bobby, I've left it too late. No matter what we said, left it too late. Can you tell me, was he a free man? He was a total slave to drink. That's what your Bible says. Sold under sin. Held captive by the devil at his will. In bondage. We are looking at a world tonight in absolute bondage. And they can't help themselves, says some people. And the psychiatrists can't help them. And the whole world is in chaos. What's the message of the gospel? Liberty through Christ. And the salvation of our Bible makes a man out of a man. And makes a woman a woman. And it's only when they get rid of their sin and become a child of God. And it's only when they get this relationship that they, you know. I'll tell you this evening, we, we have enjoyed our life. I sometimes say to the wife, if we die now, we've, we've lived three lives anyhow. <laughs> Good to be saved. Good to be liberated. What's holding you? What sin? What obstacle? What's the difficulty? Would you not like this great salvation that takes away the shackles and bonds of, that's holding you? I tell you tonight, it's great to be in a relationship with God with no fear, for our God is a consuming fire. And what you need tonight is the salvation of the Bible. And it's time you were saved. For God can do no more. Christ can do mo no more. The work is done at Calvary. And will never be repeated. I love the words. When the Savior said, "'Tis finished, everything was fully done." Done as God himself would have it. Christ the victory fully won. I remember in County Down, so I'm safe in County Antrim at the moment. Way back, must be nearly 30 years ago, we had a disastrous gospel meeting. Preachers have that at times, I can tell you. And I read in John 19, it is finished. And I went over it and round it and under it and through it. And I tried my best to lift it. And I was totally embarrassed on the platform, glad the meeting was over, glad that I was sitting down and even worried about going to the door because I was first that night. And you know, when I got to the door, a young girl of 15 and a half years of age, she said, Mr. Edia, I got saved tonight. I said, how did that happen? 
She said, well, if the work's finished, there's nothing left for me to do. My friend, when the Savior said it is finished, everything was fully done, done as God himself would have it. Christ the victory, fully won. And you could leave this meeting with the knowledge that all is well for God's eternity. Life, oh, you've got it or you wouldn't be here. Love, have you appreciated it in the giving of a son at Calvary? Liberty, are you held by the bondage of sin tonight? Well, quickly, I've come across this constantly. People will say to me, I couldn't keep it. Can I let you into a little secret again tonight? And I'll acknowledge, I couldn't keep it five minutes. Not five seconds. But you see this liberty that we have when we come to know the Savior. It's not me keeping it. It's the one I'm depending on keeping me. That's the difference. Kept by the power of God. Said the Lord Jesus, I give unto my sheep eternal life. There it is. And they shall never. Now that's in the plural in the original language. They shall never, 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 never. How many nevers do you want to put in there? Perish. And someone say it, has said to me in the past, it's a docity to say that you know all's well for eternity. Of course it's not. It's based on the Bible, the word of God, and God uh, is very clear that eternal life means eternal life. And you get it as a gift. And as a young child, I was taught by my mother, when you're offered a gift, you take the gift and you thank the giver. There's a man here from Port of Oki tonight. He'll know there was a, a woman in Port of Oki called Ruby, my wife's Ruby. She was quite a character. Her parents were saved. Nobody could speak to her. You had to be very diplomatic. Ruby would have told you herself that if you overstepped the mark, she would put you out personally, out of the house. And Ruby took ill, and I got a phone call. Just before Christmas, many, many years ago, by our daughter and... She said to me, my mother has been diagnosed now and she's not well. I said, well, you, you know the situation. She said, but I feel you're the one that could talk to her. Well, I went down, knocked the door, and then I went, and there she was. We had a chat about things. And I said, Ruby, you know I never preached at you, forced you into anything. But there was all the presents around the house and the, all the family that brought them in. I said, they've done well for you this year. They've really done well, Ruby. Look at, look at all the presents. Oh, she said, yes. I said, Ruby, I just want to one say, uh, say one thing to you. 
the God of heaven gave his son to die at Calvary and offers you the gift of God, which is the eternal life, and you've never thanked him once. You've thanked all your family, but you've never thanked God for his gift to die for you at Calvary. I'll pray with you and go. And I went. That was before Christmas. I was getting ready for a conference on the 1st of January. Early, early in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, phone rang. It was Ruby, weeping her heart out. She said, just an hour ago, I took the gift and I thanked the giver. Makes a difference when death comes. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and I have the authority of the Lord Jesus, and they shall never perish. What a God we have. An unchanging gift of life, for it will never end. Unchanging, unaltering gift of love. We'll see the results of that when we get to glory, beloved saints. A wonderful gift of liberty to live for the glory of God. But a gift that will last from, not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. I plead with you. With all my heart, I plead with souls not saved tonight. Don't turn your back on God. Don't reject the gift of gifts, all other gifts in one. Be good tonight if you owned up to your sin, repented of your sin, and you came as a guilty sinner and put your trust in the only Savior and enjoyed all that the blessings that salvation brings. Yes, you would go in your way rejoicing. There is joy, mind you. Wonderful joy. There is. But you could look forward. This life is only a very temporary thing. You prepare for the big thing. Eternity. And how you do it is you take the eternal life that God offers. And when you have that, you have everything you need for God's eternity. May the Lord bless his word. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank thee tonight that the gospel is still the power of God unto salvation. The devil might be active, and he certainly is, and the vast majority of people are blinded by the God of this world. But we thank thee for all that are gathered tonight, and we trust that the reality of life might be appreciated, for life isn't appreciated in many uh, circles. And we trust our Father that the love of God and the death of the Savior and all that was expressed at Calvary and a work that was done might result in someone trusting Christ tonight and enjoying the liberty of salvation. And our Father, with the knowledge that all is well for the great eternity that lies ahead. Bless thy word and undertake for us as we part. Give trampling mercies on dangerous roads and to thee we'll ascribe the glory. 
in the Savior's most worthy and ever-precious name. Amen.